there. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 13 of the 2021 podcast series, breaking down the draft eligible prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin in April 2021. Week 15 of the college football season in the books. We're heading into week 16. We did take a week off last week from the podcast, so we actually are going to be covering weeks 14 and 15 with this podcast. And as of this recording, we've actually had three conference championships already decided with seven more set to take place tomorrow, Saturday, December 19th. On the 18th, we saw Buffalo take on Ball State. Ball State without their leading rusher, Caleb Huntley, who's looking to forego the remainder of the season, get ready for the NFL draft. I think Caleb Huntley is going to be a guy that teams are going to be looking at in uh, on day three, and a guy who I think you know can make a difference at the next level. I think he has some versatility inside and outside, has some decent hands as well. Ball State didn't need him. They still went out to win 38-28, taking down Buff, uh, Buffalo. And look, the Bulls, they struggled with their, their, their running game. Jarrett Patterson not really getting anything going. Antonio Nunn, their receiver, is a guy that I think is going to be a, a late day three guy, someone to be on, on the lookout for. Uh, Marshall taking on UAB. The Blazers taking down the Thundering Herd 22-13. And in that game, we saw Spencer Brown, really the guy that's kind of been the, the focal point in springboarding that UAB program back into prominence, outdueling Brendan Knox, the running back on the other side there for Marshall. And uh, and finally, Pac-12, USC, with all of their comebacks late, finally go down to the Ducks, their first loss of the season, 31-24. And uh, in that game, look, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's only a sophomore, but he's a guy that's going to be at the top of everybody's draft boards. We talk about the fact that this draft doesn't have a ton of edge rushers to really get excited about at the top of the draft. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be one that everyone's going to be clamoring for at the top of this uh, of next year's draft. And uh, he just wreaked havoc, you know, really got Keaton Slovis off of his mark. Slovis ended up with three interceptions in the game. We're going to really take a look at these games a little bit in more detail in next week's podcast because I really want to focus on weeks 14 and 15. And specifically, I want to take a look at some guys that are kind of flying under the radar, guys that are going to be our, our late day two and day three guys. Everyone's been talking about the guys that are going to go off the board in, in round one and, and really on, on uh, in the second round as well. I want to look at the guys that are going to be the third round on. That's really where teams earn, you know, the, the GMs really earn their paychecks. And that's really where the teams are, are, are built are on the, the late day two and into day three. A lot of those gems that you find. Because when you talk about Ball State, Christian Albright, their outside linebacker, a guy that can put pressure on the quarterback, can make plays in coverage, can rush, uh, can play well against the run, sets the edge very well. He's going to be a guy that's going to be that day, day three guy that I think is going to end up making an NFL roster, making an impact, and a guy that nobody's really been talking about, nobody's really heard of. So I, that's really what I want to cover here. We'll take a look at those, those seven conference championships that are still coming up as well we'll kind of for you know really do kind of a quick preview on each of those games um and we'll probably even talk about the heisman trophy here a little bit as we get into the end has Devonte smith done enough to surpass his quarterback mac jones and kyle trask we'll have to really take a look and see what we think about that but uh 
you know, I think when we talk about weeks 14 and 15, there may not have been a better performance than, than North Carolina against Miami. Look, you know, December 12th, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida, the Tar Heels put a whooping on the Hurricanes, 62-26, and it was led by the ground game. You have Michael Carter, Javante Williams, really their version of Thunder and Lightning. Um, you know, Mac Jones, or I'm sorry, uh, Mac Brown, the, the running game, that's really what he brings. When you think about him at Texas and all those really you know powerful running backs there for Texas, he's got that running game really firing on all cylinders there for North Carolina. Michael Carter, look, 24 carries, 308 yards, two touchdowns in that game. And his, uh, his running partner, Javante Williams, 23 carries, 236 yards, and three touchdowns. And look, these are two guys who I think are going to be, you know, everyone's talking about uh, Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne. And I think, you know, people haven't been talking about Javante Williams and Michael Carter until this game. But, uh, you know, let's not, you know, not get it twisted. These are guys that have been doing this. Uh, all season long and really throughout their career. Uh, Michael Carter, look, he's 5'8", 199 pounds, um, you know, very versatile, a guy who has 80 receptions in his career. Um, you know, there's a 65-yard touchdown. He was so decisive, hit the hole in a hurry, and he's able to uh, make a cut to make a man miss, and, you know, bounce to the outside, and then has the speed to go the distance, taking it all the way uh, to the house. Jukes defenders at the line of scrimmage and, and able to get underneath Jalen Phillips. That was one of the things that, that Jalen Phillips over and over again was trying to get to the inside. And these running backs were able to either you know, get inside him, you know, bounce things to the outside, and, and rather than set the, set a hard edge, really Phillips was trying to gamble and trying to get in there and make that, you know, that spectacular play. And just time and time again, the Tar Heels were taking advantage of it. And, and really what I love about, about Michael Carter, you know, he starts to his left, Sees this big hole to the right, you know, after the flow to the left, felt it, able to put his foot in the ground and get back to the other side. And that's one of the things, the, the feel that, that he has, you know, that he understands the flow of a defense. I know I'm going to have some, some room there to the backside to really make some plays and space. Put my foot in the ground and get there in a hurry. Very decisive runner, as is Javante Williams. And the thing with Javante Williams is he has the burst, the acceleration getting through the hole, a guy that can sit there and run away from people, but then he also has that physicality. He's going to bring that and run some people over. Uh, you know, and he's 5'10, 220 pounds, only a junior, so he could come back. But this is a guy that I think people are really talking about being a top five running back. I have Carter and Williams really in that 3 4 range. You know, I, I don't think they're quite at the level of, of Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne, but uh, man, they're knocking on the door there. And uh, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Javante Williams, 25 receptions this, pa uh, this past season, 50 in his career, 19 touchdowns, 7.3 yards per carry. And with Carter, look, eight yards per carry, nine touchdowns to go along with 25 receptions as well. Dynamic duo. These are two guys that you have to be on the lookout for. They're going to be day two picks. And I know I was talking about wanting to really focus in on the, the third round and on, but these are two running backs that I'd be remiss if I didn't get a chance to talk uh, about each of them. Um, and then, you know, their linebacker, Chaz Surratt. Look, you know, he, he 10 tackles on the day, two pass breakups. This is a guy showing the instincts of the converted quarterback. You know, this is a guy, you know, he, he does a great job coming downhill, filling the holes, 
um, but he's not just a, a one-trick pony coming downhill. He can drop into coverage. He, he understands route route concepts. Able to get you know make plays in space, read the quarterback's eyes. Has tremendous range as well. This is a guy that's only going to continue to get better. That's the thing that everyone talked about. Devin White coming out of LSU, pretty new to that linebacker position, and he still went number five overall. Chas Surratt should be a second round pick he may fall to the third round but just based on talent alone and the potential there i think he'll end up being a, he should be a second round pick now miami they struggled in this game mightily and uh you know jalen phillips so look he still had four tackles uh, a ta you know a tackle and a half for loss uh, had a half a sack and jalen phillips look he has eight and a half sacks on the year uh you know this is a guy who you know, he, he can beat you with power, has tremendous hands, also has that burst coming off the edge, great arm over uh, that he uses, will try to rip and, and turn the corner as well. It's pretty good flexibility coming off the edge. This is, you know, gets that push. That was one of the things that you saw in this game repeatedly, uh, really just getting that push off of, off of the, the offensive tackle, creating a real soft edge, able to get to the quarterback. And uh, like I said, you know, 15 and a half tackles for loss to go along with those eight sacks. But look, you know, he has, he's played in 10 games this year before he finally decided to opt out and enter the draft. He played 10 games in two seasons with UCLA. The big issue for him is going to be those medicals. That's gonna make or break his draft stock when it's all said and done. If he, everything clears and everything's okay, he could be a second round pick, but I think he's gonna be someone who could fall to round three and whoever gets him, as long as he can stay healthy, they're gonna get a player who may be a better pro than he was in college, mainly because of those injuries. So I, I think if we start focusing on some of our uh, some of our positions and some of the guys that I was taking a look at, obviously, if we jump to the running back position, you look at a guy like Khalil Herbert, uh, Juice as he's known, this is a guy, uh, you know, I watched him against Clemson. This is a guy who gets yards in bunches. 21 carries for 96 yards uh, in a losing effort. You, know, you see the stiff arm on the edge. You know, power running game at times has that speed and acceleration to get down the field in a hurry. And then those tough yards. This is somebody who you know, can pound the rock between the tackles, can bounce it outside, and has the speed down the sideline as well. You know, and, and really, the, you know, it was kind of nice for him to have that breakout season there for Virginia Tech uh, having started his career at Kansas but uh, over 1100 yards uh, 7.6 yards per carry and eight touchdowns look this guy only has 34 receptions in his career so I think that's the one thing that's going to really hurt him he's gonna have to show teams that he can catch the football out of the backfield I think he'll end up being a day three guy um, when it's all said and done he'll probably be a fourth round pick but I think teams can end up getting a steal another guy who is an ascending prospect you know, after four seasons in Kansas, uh, you know where he had 1,700 yards on the ground, nearly got to that total there in Virginia Tech through just 11 games there for the Hokies. Um, if you take a look at uh, OU, Ramondre Stevenson, six foot, 246 pounds, big, physical guy. I watched him against Baylor, and this is someone who, look, you know, he's he's athletic. He has that quick. You know, I thought Spencer Tillman, the former Sooner great said it best this is a guy you know with big man size and little man feet you watch his feet they're so tremendous with, with the way that he's able to you know, pop 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 and then make a quick cut and, and set somebody up and you know that's the thing that that you you see time and time again with a guy that big he shouldn't be able to move like that laterally uh and he's somebody who's going to lower the pads 
run over people. And the thing with Ramondre Stevenson, look, yes, he had the off-field issue. Yes, he you know he tested positive for uh, for marijuana, so he he was suspended from the Peach Bowl and got suspended for the first few games there for OU. And now that he's back, OU's offense is completely different. Changed the whole complexion of that offense because Ramondre Stevenson is now toting the rock. When you think about that, you think about his what he's been able to do, and I know teams are possibly looking at him as a potential H-back. I would challenge you to, to look at this guy a little bit differently and potentially look at him as a running back. The one issue, can he catch the football out of the backfield? He's another guy that I think is going to have to show teams that he can catch the football. I'd love to see him come back to Norman for one more year, get a full season under his belt, and really ramp up that draft stock. If he comes out, I think because of some of the off-field questions, really what position is he going to play? Is he more of a short yardage guy? What are we going to do with him? He'll probably fall a little bit in the draft, probably be a fourth, fifth round pick. But I think you're going to get a guy who is, is tremendously athletic for such a big dude. And uh, you know he's, he's going to wreak havoc against Iowa State. Look, OU lost to Iowa State in the Big, uh, in big 12 play without Ramondre Stevenson. Now that he's there, that could be the difference in the Big 12 championship AT&T Stadium in Arlington that we'll talk about here in a little bit. I think one other running back who's going to be a late day three guy, but a guy that you have to keep an eye on. Look, James Robinson came out of nowhere from Illinois State. We talked about it in a podcast last year as a guy that could be a game changer for an NFL franchise if he got the chance. Look at what he's doing there in Jacksonville. I think C.J. Marable could be that guy coming out of Coastal Carolina. Yes, he's an FBS program, and uh, and James Robinson was a uh, was an FCS prospect. But Marable coming from Coastal Carolina, not many people are talking about him. Not many people know about him. 5'10", 200 pounds, showed tremendous speed to the edge. They ran that option play. You know, they're, they're kind of a spread option that uh, uh, you know Jamie Chadwell runs there with the Chanticleers. And you know it was he was in sync with Grace uh, with uh, with Grayson McCall, the, the quarterback there, and you know just the, the speed you, you saw him bouncing off tackles, spinning through tackles, adjusting to the football in the air as a receiver, ran the angle route to perfection as well. Um, you know CJ Marable is a guy. Look, you know you can talk about the quarterback position and, and the way that McCall was playing, but uh, I think when you look at CJ Marable, what he meant to that offense. Um, in that game, I think that's really the biggest thing that you really have to take away. Um, and look, he, he's just one year removed from a thousand yard season. Went over a thousand yards in 2019 with 11 touchdowns. You know, this is a guy. Look, over 2,600 yards on the ground, averaged 5.5 yards per carry, 29 touchdowns in his career, and 83 receptions with 12 touchdowns. This is somebody who can be uh, that change of pace back and could end up surprising people at the next level. C.J. Marable, remember that name. We move to the receiver position. Uh, you know, Ty Freifogel and, and Wap Billior, um, I'll tell you, against Wisconsin, they, they ended up winning the game 14-6. to They have Jack Tuttle at quarterback, missing Michael Penix Jr., and that really kind of hurt the passing game. Um, you know, they really had to rely on Stevie Scott, the running back, the, the big bruising back there. Uh, Freifogel, just one reception for 35 yards. Um, and then Wap Fillior, four catches, 47 yards, and a score. You know, Fillior, what I really like about him, he's one of those slot receivers, a guy that you can plug in and, and allow him to attack the middle of the field. He's going to get some of those tough yards. You know, a guy who's, who's pretty sudden. He's quicker than he is fast. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that is going to be a day three pick and could probably end up making a roster as a fourth or fifth running back when it's all said and done. 
Um, you know, so I, I look at him in that way. And then Fry Fogel, he's that possession receiver. He's the guy who's been a big weapon coming down, you know, down the field, and, and a guy who just does a tremendous job throwing to the outside, understanding where the cornerback is. You know, inside leverage, but you have him moving towards the outside, able to plant, plant his foot. Corner starts to overplay, and then you cut, cut it back inside and take, take off. Or he gets outside, and you've got a corner with outside leverage, and he starts moving in on you, able to spin back to the outside and take off down the sideline. Understanding that leverage, that's one of the things that I think really jumped off when you watch him play. Um, so I, I really like try, uh, Ty Freifogel, probably a third rounder. You know, this is such a deep receiving group. But, but Freifogel, with the way that he's played, I think he's earned a, his, a chance to be a day two pick. He may fall to day three, could end up being a fourth rounder. But uh, if he falls past the fourth round, a team is going to get a steal, I'll tell you that. Now, when you look at a guy like uh, Amari Rogers, the 5'10", 210-pound senior out of Clemson, only had three catches for 32 yards at, you know, from, uh, against Virginia Tech in that blowout win. But what you see with Amari Rogers is just the strength and the power after the catch. You know, again, 5'10", 210 pounds. When I watch him play, he reminds me a lot of, of Steve Smith because he plays a lot bigger than, than he actually, you know, the measurables are. And I'm not saying that Amari Rogers is going to be the next Steve Smith, uh, you know, a three-time All-Pro there and five-time Pro Bowl selection of, of the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, that's one of the things that, that Steve Smith was so good at. You know, he was just, he was so, so strong after the catch. And a guy at the catch point, you know, making plays. Steve Smith coming out of Utah, third round pick, uh, number 74 overall. Um, you know, and I think what really set him apart was, you know, he's only 5'9", 184 pounds coming out of, out of school. Ran a 4'3", 940, um, 38 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, and only only 10, 10 reps in the bench press coming out. You know, but this guy, he was a speedster and, uh, you know, but I think what he did, he developed himself into being very, you know, very strong receiver and a lot bigger than his size. If you look at Amari Rodgers, he's already filled out. He's 5'10", 210 pounds, and he's a guy that I think could end up, because there are so many receivers there for Clemson during his four years uh, with the Tigers, I think Amari Rodgers is another guy who could end up potentially being a better pro than he, than he was a collegiate player. And then... Uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, look, he's the best receiver that nobody's talking about. I think he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves. 6'1", 195 pounds, four touchdowns in the first quarter against Washington State. You know, I mean, he, he was doing it all. The slants, you know, the, the slot fades, um, you know, the ability to high point the football on those fades. Um, you know, the, the slant, what he does such a great job is, is he widens out the corner and then with a quick cut back to the inside. This guy is so savvy. You know, in the air raid, it's all about, you know, that the zones. You're playing against the zones. He finds those voids in the zones. Very reliable target. Uh, you know, this is a guy, he's so strong after the catch as well. You know, he bench, you know, this is a guy, uh, his dad was a former Mr. Olympia, so he was bench pressing uh, 135 pounds at the age of eight. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, the, the work ethic that this kid has. And, and you just, you watch him, he's just, you know, the football IQ is off the charts with, with the Monroe St. Brown. And, uh, you know, against UCLA the following week, you know, another clutch performer, making that, that high-pointing that football and making that catch to win that game over the Bruins, less than a minute to play, and uh, they end up coming back to win yet again. 
And, uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, he'll be a second rounder if he comes out this year. Um, you know, and it's one of those things. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what it is that, that he does. Because Keaton Slovis, only a sophomore. Drake London, only a sophomore. Um, you've got Brew McCoy, a guy that he went to high school with there at Modern Day. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of weapons there that are coming back. And you look at the defensive side of the football, a lot of guys who are sophomores and juniors, this could be a team if, if Monra St. Brown decides he wants to come back. And look, Tyler Vaughn's another weapon on the outside for them. A veteran who's battled some drops, but a guy who can be uh, a reliable target when the lights are brightest. Um, you know, USC could really uh, have a ton of weapons if they all decide to come back for one more season. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I think if Amonra St. Brown decides he's going to come out, he'll be a, 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 an early day two pick uh, for sure. He should be at least. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of names from San Jose State. Unlikely you know, university that's producing receivers, but I'm going to give you two guys, Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker. Bailey Gaither, he's six foot, 179 pounds, um, eighth you know, 100 yard receiving day there against Nevada in their win. And uh, this is a guy, look, he, he started off the game, three catches for 120 yards. A guy, a savvy route runner, able to get behind the defense, sneaky fast, very quick. Um, you know, a guy that you look at from a size standpoint, and you're like, yeah, six foot, 179 pounds, he's probably more like 5'10 ish. Kind of reminds you a little bit of a Hunter Renfro type. Bailey Gaither could be a guy that could end up sneaking his way onto an NFL roster. And then Trey Walker, 5'11", 180 pounds. This is a guy, you know, seven catches, 82 yards. Another nice slot receiver, possession guy. Very reliable hands. Another guy to be on the lookout for there as well. Um, you know, and uh, I'm going to give you one name. You know, a guy that I don't anticipate coming out, especially because his quarterback's only a sophomore. And that's Romeo Dubs. Out of, uh, out of Nevada. 6'2", 195 pounds. Uh, a guy, look, 44 catches, 850, I'm sorry, 855 yards and nine touchdowns. And this is a guy, he's got really long arms, a guy that does a great job extending for the football, attacking it in the air, using his body to his advantage. He's a big, long, long-wind dude and a guy that can make plays on the outside. Carson Strong is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in next year's draft. Uh, so I think you know, could definitely see Romeo Dubs, especially with the, the caliber of this year's receiving draft class, coming back for one more year. He'll be a name to talk about next year. As is the tight end there, we're tra here's the transition, uh, the segue to the tight end. Uh, Cole Turner, he's 6'6", 223 pounds, um, 40 catches, 496 yards, six touchdowns coming into that game against the, the Spartans. And another guy, big, long arms, a guy who attacks the football in the air. There was a, a play in the end zone. He's going up against Trey Webb, who's one of the better safeties in the Mountain West Conference. And he goes up to high point the football and really extends through uh, Trey Webb. And he makes the catch, and Trey Webb has his hands in between his arms, and he's still able to come down with the football for the touchdown. Tremendous play, very athletic, had four catches for 49 yards and a score against San Jose State. Cole Turner is going to be a guy everyone's going to be talking about. Wanted to make sure that I got his name out there now um, because he could end up being a stud in next year's draft. Probably not going to come out this year. Though. Um, so this year's draft, I think you have to look at Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. 6'5", 245 pounds. The junior in that game against Indiana. Five catches, 54 yards. This dude was a crossing route nightmare. I mean, this guy 
and, and every time he would go to you know on a crossing route, he's running away from linebackers. They're hitting him in stride. Very reliable target. Uh, a guy who can adjust well to the football in the air. There's some people that don't really like his blocking ability. I think he's very willing blocker. Wisconsin's known for the blocking tight ends. Probably not quite on the par of uh, of Iowa, but uh, they're they're right there. And uh, what I like about Ferguson is he's still he's a he's a solid inline blocker. Um, you know, a guy who I think gets a decent pop, um, needs to watch that pad level a little bit. It'll creep up on him, get him a little bit high. But I definitely like Dick uh, uh, Ferguson there, more so as a receiver than, than a blocker. I'm going to give you two names of guys who are going to be probably, you know, mid to late day three picks, but guys that you have to take notice of. First is going to be Miller Forrestal out of Alabama, 6'5", 244 pounds. Everyone now is talking about Jaleel Billingsley, a guy who you know I think people are starting to hype up as, as maybe the next O.J. Howard there for the, for Bama. Against LSU, this was a guy that we blocked down on, on, uh, on the defensive end. Uh, Andre Anthony cleared the way um, for, for the running back from Najee Harris. Then he climbs to the linebacker and gets a block on, on Damone Clark. Uh, the biggest thing for Forrestal is going to be that knee injury in 2017. Also had a throat injury in 2019. Um, so the injury bug definitely something that you know, that he's going to have to watch out for. That's going to be a huge red flag. Uh, but a guy who I think, if he can make it onto a roster, I could see him being an H-back tight end. A guy who can be a tremendous blocker and has shown decent hands uh, at the tight end position as well. Chase Allen, everyone talks about... Charlie Kohler there at, at Iowa State, rightfully so. He's a basketball, former basketball player, former high school teammate of Trey Young uh, at Norman North in, in Oklahoma. It is one of the better tight ends in the country because of his receiving prowess. But like, I'll tell you, Chase Allen, another he's 6'7", 240, 245 pounds, um, against West Virginia, had a couple of catches for 36 yards. Uh, in that game, had a 31-yard reception. Um, Really long arms, does a good job extending for the football to make plays after the catch a little bit. Decent runner, uh, better than, than really expected. And when you watch him as a blocker, tremendous leverage. You know, for a guy his height, you know, that's one of the things that you notice. He shoots the hands in quickly, and then what he does is he, he, he stands that man up and then keeps those legs moving. And to me, I look at Chase Allen, he's one of those sleepers, a guy that people aren't going to be talking about. But I can almost guarantee you he's going to be on an NFL roster come uh, the start of the 2021 season. We transition to the offensive tackle. Um, you know, I think one of the guys that everybody's starting to take notice of now because Texas A&M is on the doorstep of the college football playoff, right tackle Carson Green. 6'6", 315-pound senior, uh, played in over 30 games there for the Aggies. And this is a guy, look, um, I watched him against Auburn. I've seen you know quite a few of his games actually, and this is a guy. Look, he's not the most athletic, but you know a guy who just understands the role. You know he, he's a technician of sorts, and you know even when he gets beat, he's taking that defensive end up the field and away from the pocket. Um, understands those angles. Does a good job getting his hips around to seal off the edge uh, in, in the run game. I think he's a he's a guy who's going to be a right tackle, and uh, you know you worry a little bit about handling the speed rush so he could kick inside but he's definitely an nfl caliber offensive lineman uh elijah vera tucker out of usc 6'4 310 pounds uh, this is a guy who showed really good feet against washington state uh, and ucla very quick out of his stance hand placement was was 
pretty consistent shooting those inside. Didn't get you know a little crazy or anything like that at all. Hand stayed inside. Um, showed some good power with those hands. And then in the running game, being able to generate a little bit of movement on that left side. USC really struggling running the football, but it's not because of Elijah Vera Tucker. If you watch the game against Oregon, and I know we're going to talk about this more next week, but the game against Oregon, he got beat quite a bit by Kayvon Thibodeau with the speed, especially with the change of direction. He did a decent job with that kick slide, but then that quick change of direction by Kayvon Thibodeau back to the inside. You know, you saw and got it, you know, Vera Tucker getting exposed. He's not going to be a tackle at the next level. He's going to be a guard. But you can see the movement skills are absolutely there. You see some power in those hands. He'll be a nice guard. Um, some people are talking about him being a first-round pick. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. He'll be a, a second-rounder. I have him in this conversation because I still think he's he's one of those guys. He's flying under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, from the guard position, you know, I think people are kind of hyping him up a little bit. And uh, you know, yes, he was the offensive lineman of the year, playing alongside Austin Jackson a season ago. Uh, but he's one of those guys that uh, you know, I think probably belongs on day two. Myron Cunningham, 6'7", 325 pounds, out of Arkansas. Another big, long dude. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot for a defensive end to get around this guy because with that kick slide and those long arms, uh, he just you know, he, he takes up a lot of space. What he does struggle with is that change of direction. You know, if there's going to be somebody who's going to take an inside rush and you know, spin back to the outside or a guy that's going to take him up the field and then work back to the inside, that's where Myron Cunningham really struggled. Uh, exposed a little bit there against Alabama. That's where he, he, he struggled at times, I thought. Uh, Brady Christensen, the 6'6", 300-pound junior there for BYU. Um, he's a guy that I think the more and more I watch him play, more I'm like, this kid, if he decides to come out, he could be a day two guy. If he decides that he wants to stick around for one more year there with the Cougars, he could end up playing his way potentially you know, into, into the second round, possibly even into the first round. Excellent movement skills for this guy. You know, the, the, leg, the leg drive, uh, really creating uh, a lot of movement there against Teron Jackson in, uh, against Coastal Carolina. Also did a decent job blocking C.J. Brewer, their athletic defensive tackle. Uh, you know, extends those arms, locks him out, gets a lot of movement with the, that leg drive, that active feet. And you see him with that kick slide. Again, he loves to extend those arms, create a, a lot of distance between him and that defensive end, not allowing him to turn the corner, keeps those hands inside. And so even when a guy gets the edge on him, he's able to easily just take that guy and ride him away from the pocket. Big fan of Brady Christensen. I don't see him coming out, um, but a guy who I think has definitely had a decent season. Um, and maybe the best season for a center if we transition is going to be Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. And I know, you know, he's a guy who's probably going to be a, a day two guy, probably a second rounder. But I wanted to talk about him because I, I think a lot of hype has been around, you know, Rashawn Slater, uh, the, the offensive tackle there from the Northwest, who may be best suited as a center at the next level. Uh, Creed Humphrey out of OU. I think everybody's been talking about him. But Landon Dickerson. I mean, if you watch them against LSU, tons of personality, all the points there when LSU jumped off sides and then uh, falling down when the guy got in his face. And this is a guy, tons of, uh, of personality for sure, 
Uh, reminds you of Jason Kelsey in that way. But uh, very physical, man. This is a guy who wants to maul you, wants to beat you up. You know, using those long arms to his advantage, man, he was throwing guys all over the place. I mean, I felt bad for Damone Clark. He just kept getting shoved uh, left and right. And there was one play where he shoved uh, Damone Clark and moved on to Micah Baskerville, the other linebacker, and threw him out, out of the club as well. Uh, he's somebody who I think also did a good job pulling, finding the safety, and was able to hit the moving target. You don't see that often from, from a center, especially a guy that's that big at 6'6", 325, moves very well. He's another guy where the medicals are going to make or break. He had knee injuries uh, there at Florida State before he transferred to Alabama. If the medicals check out okay, I think he can end up challenging to be the first center taken off the board. Um, you know, Ryan McCollum there for AM, he's 6'3, 300 pounds. I watched him against Auburn. Not only was he physical at the point of attack, I thought he showed really good feet, able to move, you know, climb to the second level and hit those moving targets there as well. McCollum's going to be a guy who I think is going to be a mid day three guy and somebody who's definitely going to be on NFL radars. Uh, you know, should be moving up some draft boards as well. Uh, definitely a big fan of his. Uh, so those were the guys that I wanted to really key in on talk about on the offensive side of the football so now we're going to go ahead and transition to the defensive side and uh the defensive end position i think you know i watched demetrius taylor when uh, appalachian state took on louisiana and uh had that five tackles one and a half tackles for loss this is a guy who is non-stop effort uh, what i really love about him is you know he, he's 6'1 300, 300 pounds um, but there's some suddenness to this guy. He gets up the field in a hurry. He's continuing to work for the quarterback. And I, I really love the fact that he just, he, he will not give up on a play. He's going to continue to work and uh, he's going to get into the backfield, flush the quarterback. Um, this is a guy, look, uh, he has 19 and a half, tack, uh, 19 and a half sacks, 35 and a half tackles for loss, nine pass breakups and five forced fumbles in his career. You know, it has a nose for the football. He's going to be a guy that'll be a day three pick, but I'm telling you, he's going to end up in a rotation early in his career and be a factor for an NFL franchise. Um, Ollie Gay, big 6'6", 260 pounder there for LSU, a junior JC transfer, um, you know, against uh, Alabama in, in a losing effort. They lost uh, 55-17, uh, five tackles, a sack, a couple of tackles for loss. You know, the length is the thing that you really love about Ali Gay. And look, you know, the, the, the bright lights of uh, the FBS, not too big for him. Um, nine and a half tackles were lost, two sacks, six pass breakups. You know, that's the thing that you, you see the tremendous you know, length, the arm strength, you know, the, the arm length, um, and his ability to time those jumps, able to get the hands into the passing lane. It reminds me a lot of Uchenna Nwosu in that way, just the fact that he's able to get the hands up and, and block some passes down. I think Ollie Gay is going to be somebody, um, he may opt out considering what, what's happened there at LSU this past year, um, but you know, I think it would probably behoove him to come back for one more season and see what, he can, what kind of damage he can do next year, potentially improve his draft stock. One other edge rusher to be on the lookout for is going to be Ronnie Perkins out of OU. What is this guy going to do? A 6'3", 240 pounds, 47 pounds. The junior, um, you know, he was just like Ramondre Stevenson, was suspended for the Peach Bowl due to be, you know, testing positive for marijuana. Sat out the first five games, 
And, um, man, you want to talk about a guy. He was there on the sideline the last couple of games serving out that suspension, uh, really being trying to be that focal point and that leader of that defense. And, and coming into this year, 23 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, comes in in four games, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, and he just changes the whole complexion of this OU defense. You know, that, that defensive line has really been playing well, even without him, you know, in Alex Grinch's scheme. And now that he comes in, he plays that defensive end spot. You're able to move Isaiah Thomas over to the defensive tackle spot. Now you have two guys who are able to get after the quarterback. And, uh, you know, Perkins is just so quick. He's quick off the football. You know, he bends really well. You see that flexibility, the ankle flexion, um, the ability to get under that offensive lineman pad level and uh, you know, beating guys off the snap, shooting back to the inside. Um, he's a guy that's a lot of fun to watch and somebody, if he decides he wants to come out, you know, he's a, he's a day two talent that'll probably fall to round number you know, four or five, um, but definitely a tremendous talent. And he's going to be somebody, you know, he may decide to come back to OU for one more year. Look, they've got Perrion Winfrey, uh, a Juco stud there in the middle there. And then uh, Isaiah Thomas, these guys could decide to come back for one more year with the Sooners and really have a, a scary defense there under Alex Grinch. And speaking of Isaiah Thomas, the reason why I wanted to mention him, 11 tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks, um, really took charge of that defensive line without Ronnie Perkins for the you know, start of the season. 6'5", 267 pounds, uh, uses that length to his advantage. Uh, a guy who does, you know, likes to get the hands on the offensive tackle early. And uh, look, you know, he, he can bull rush you, drive you back, but he has a little bit of wiggle to him. A guy that can bend a little bit coming off the edge as well. Um, so OU has a couple of pass rushers that you'll have to keep an eye out for, uh, especially their uh, Big 12 championship. Brock Purdy is going to have to uh, really keep an eye out for number 95 and number 7 for the Sooners. Defensive tackle position, how about Taylor Humphrey out of Louisiana? He's 6'5", six, uh, six, I believe, 300 pounds. Uh, he's a big dude in the middle. Had seven tackles there for Appalachian State. Moves really well. And that's the thing that you see for a guy his size. You know, he, he's over the, the nose, but the quickness off the ball, the speed, the power, driving his man into the backfield, making some plays, to be disruptive against both the run and the pass. Um, he'll be a day three guy. One of those guys who, you know, not just a... a guy who's going to clog the middle of the field but I think Kalen is somebody that can can absolutely uh, be a, a game wrecker and uh, only 29 tackles on the year but look you know when, when the lights were brightest especially against App State you know, Humphrey definitely stepped up he's a guy that's going to eat up a lot of space and uh, was a transfer from Florida International um, his one and only year with Louisiana uh, Taylor Humphrey is going to be a guy you know a mid to late day three pick um, but a guy that's going to make an NFL roster uh, for sure, in my opinion. How about Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State? 6'2", 299 pounds against um, Michigan State. Did a tremendous job getting a push up the field. Gets his hand into the passing lane. Tips the ball up into the air to, to himself for, for the interception uh, in the route of the Spartans. Uh, this is a guy, look, he, he keeps that low pad level, and when he does that, he can win at the point of attack. He's kind of an undersized defensive tackle at 6'2", but he uses that to his advantage, has some decent quickness. He and Tommy Togiai, you know, they're one of the better defensive tackle duos uh, in all of FBS. Um, Bobby Brown, the third out of Texas 
and then look, he's 6'4", 325 pounds, the junior. Um, you know, I have him in my top 10 of the defensive tackle position, and I think the reason why is you see the athleticism, you see his ability to, you know, get into the backfield and chase down ball carriers. Um, you love the speed to power. You love the strength to the point of attack. He's got some power in his hands. Um, get nasty when you need him to. We have multiple uh, interior offensive linemen there against Auburn. On him, and he was still able to get a push up the field. Tremendous, tremendous strength. Uh, you know, I think Brown, especially after the year that the Aggies have had, uh, could potentially come out. And uh, he's one of those guys I think that's going to challenge that defensive tackle group. Not really a strong group uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but a guy who I think could work his way into round number three. It would be a nice get for a team looking to improve the interior of the defensive line. Uh, Jackson Player out of Tulsa. Like, this guy's only six foot, 290 pounds, and he's only a junior, so he could definitely come back for one more year uh, to, to you know, coach Montgomery's stat, uh, team. But uh, a player, you know, I, I watched him you know, record 12 tackles, two sacks, and four and a half tackles for loss against Navy. I mean, this is a guy, he's so explosive up the field, that get off is ridiculous. He can play over the nose, he can play uh, you know, defensive end in a 34 defense. The, the explosiveness is just really what jumps off the, off the film for you. Uh, you know, it could even be a, a three technique in a 43 defense as well in that even man front. Um, but a guy who just, he's going to explode uh, up the field, arm over, uh, rip moves, and, and a guy that is so relentless coming after the ball carrier. And I'll tell you, you know, the way that Zayvon Collins plays there for Tulsa, it's rubbing off on a lot of, a lot of other guys. And I'm telling you, Jackson Player, He's going to be a player at the next level. He's going to get, not only is he going to get drafted, if he decides to enter this draft, he could be a, a fourth round pick, be an early day three guy. I think when it's all said and done, because I think he'll test really well. Um, but he could come back uh, to Tulsa one more year for the Golden Hurricanes, and he could really improve that draft stock. I think he could end up being a day two pick. Look at what Damon Collins has done this year. You know, I, I think that's something that you're going to have to really keep an eye out there for Jackson Player. We'll talk about Zayvon Collins in just a second when we get to the linebackers. Uh, but I wanted to bring up uh, you know, Darius Stills and Mustafa Johnson. Darius Stills, kind of an undersized uh, nose tackle there for, uh, for West Virginia. Big 12 defensive lineman of the year. Uh, beats guys with quickness. Quickness off the ball. Uh, decent strength. I think that's the thing that you worry about you know, in an on-man front. I think what he may end up being, he actually reminds me a little bit of Geno Atkins. With kind of that undersized defensive tackle but has tremendous quickness off the ball that's who I see Darius Stills kind of being like and then you look at Mustafa Johnson he's only 5'11 289 pounds uh, you know playing against Utah five tackles one and a half bullet for loss this is the guy who just seemed to slip the lock slip inside uh, slip inside get into the backfield the guy who you know used the hands you know very well shows some decent quickness despite that that lack of length that quickness ultimately helped, you know, kind of allow him to get into the backfield. Once he gets engulfed, he doesn't have the, the arm length to really disengage, and so that, that's where he struggles. But that quickness allows him to really just beat guys off the ball. And once he's able to do that, it doesn't matter really how long your arms are, you're able to beat your guys and get into the backfield. Mustafa um, Johnson could end up potentially being a day three guy. I think the lack of length is really what's going to hurt him. Testing is really what's going to have to be big for him um, and potentially uh, an invite in one of those all-star games playing against some of the, you know, some of the better talent. Um, I mentioned the linebackers. And look, 
why not start with Zayvon Collins? Look, um, you know, had three tackles, a tackle for loss, and, uh, and a fumble recovery there against Navy, and um, wound up you know, battling a foot injury. But look, he's 6'4", 260 pounds, and the way you watch him play, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, the way that he moves for a guy that's 260 pounds. Had that 96-yard interception return for a touchdown, really a walk-off interception win uh, for the Golden Hurricane in overtime. His ability to cover sideline to sideline, he lines up on, on like the right hash, run play to the, the wide side, so he gets over to the left sideline, able to run the running back out of bounds for, for little gain. Uh, a guy who drops into coverage, reads the quarterback's eyes, and uh, allows those eyes, you know, allows us to really take him to the football, make a play on the ball, and then also uh, a guy who can bend coming off the edge. Look, he's a former gymnast, definitely very flexible. You see him coming off the edge, can bend around, get to the quarterback, flatten out in a hurry, and make plays against the quarterback. I've been talking about Damon Collins on just about every podcast. I'm going to talk about him any chance I get because he's my favorite player in the entire draft. Number 23 for Tulsa. He made an impact as a freshman. Then last year, he was playing next to Cooper Edmiston, the middle linebacker there, a guy who I thought was really, you know, the football IQ was off the charts there. I think it's really rubbed off on Zayman because you really see him put everything together this year. You know, a guy who has 234 tackles in his career, 25 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, five interceptions, including four this year, two of which they need to return for touchdown, eight pass breakups, three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. He does a little bit of everything. And the way that he's played this year, he's going to enter the draft and he should be a top 20, top 25 pick. And find me a linebacker who's, who's had a better season than him in 2020. You're going to say, well, what about JOK, Jeremiah owusu koromoa What about Nick Bolton? Michael Parsons isn't in the draft. Uh, I'm sorry, isn't in, in, you know, hasn't been there for the season. He's, he's opted out. So he'll be a guy who I think will get, obviously, drafted in the top 10. Jeremiah Wusukoromola could potentially be a, a top 20 pick. Nick uh, Bolton should also be a, a first-rounder as well. But Zayvon Collins, you got to talk about him. If he falls out of round number one, someone's going to get a steal. It reminds me of Darius Leonard when he came out of South Carolina State. I was talking about that guy is going to be a player. He's going to be a playmaker. And sure enough, that's exactly what he turned out to be there for the Colts. Zayvon Collins, same type of player, same type of impact. Ohio State, look, you know, Pete Werner and, and Baron Browning, a couple of linebackers who move like safety. Pete Werner, 6'3", 242 pounds. He's out on the outside covering receivers, not just running backs and tight ends, but receivers. And, you know, the ability to move sideline to sideline, the range is tremendous. Had eight tackles there against uh, Sparty. And then Baron Browning, a guy that can line up, again, in the slot. He'll cover just about anybody. A guy that's going to get down the field. Uh, you know, you watch the range, his ability to get downhill in a hurry, you know, the, the ability to read the crossing routes and, and take off, you know, no wasted movement, jumping those routes, making plays on the football. Uh, Baron Browning, you know, those are two guys. I think Browning will probably be a, a day two guy. Pete Warner might fall to day three, but uh, two guys that are going to end up on NFL rosters making impacts. And I'll give you one more guy, Antoine Simmons. They're out of uh, you know, Michigan State. He's six foot, 224 pounds, had 12 tackles against the Buckeyes, two going for loss and a fumble recovery. 
this is a guy who you know, he lined up, you know, he's covering Trey Sermon out of the backfield, um, flies around for the football, has really good lateral quickness, and this is a linebacker, you know, the new age linebacker, a guy that's going to be able to cover uh, whoever you throw at him out of the backfield um, or you know, the tight end position. Um, you know, a guy who has the range sideline to sideline uh, to play in space. Antoine Simmons is going to be a guy. He'll probably fall to day three. Probably be a late day three guy because of his lack of overall size. But another guy who I think he just flies around to the football. A lot to like there. Same with Tony Fields. Tony Fields is second. You know, coming from, from Arizona where he was a, a three-year starter. Uh, but a guy who, look, you know, people weren't really talking about him too much there with the Wildcats. I mean, all he did with them was, was rack up 287 tackles, 17 going for loss, eight and a half sacks, but nobody was really talking about it. He moves to, to the Big 12 play uh, there for West Virginia, uh, and in nine games, 88 tackles in nine games. I mean, are you kidding me? He nearly hit 400 tackles in his career, uh, you know, with those 88 tackles. Had we played a little, you know, played a few more games during the season, he probably could have hit 400 career tackles. At three interceptions, six pass breakups, showing the ability to drop into coverage, but then also making plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. That range, you know, again, the ability to get downhill in a hurry. Tony Fields is the guy that, you know, I think there's a lot to like there as well. He'll be a day three guy. I'll throw one name out there that I think should come back to Wisconsin, and that's Jack Sample. He's 6'2, 236, had nine tackles, a tackle for loss. Fumble, uh, forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry against Indiana in that losing effort. Um, you know, he's definitely a downhill guy. A guy that can rush the quarterback, a guy that's going to shoot gaps against the run, but can he drop? You know, and that's really the thing. You know, is he going to just be a two-down linebacker? Can he drop into coverage? That's the big question mark that I have, and I'm not sure that he'll be able to do that. Uh, Nate Landman. This guy, man, you know, he's 6'2", 232 pounds, you know, was a two-time Defensive Player of the Week there for the Pac-12, and Colorado only played just a few games this season. Um, in fact, what, Colorado, it was uh, uh, played in five games. He played in five games and was Defensive Player of the Week twice. Um, had a, an unfortunate ankle injury. Um, you know, it was a non-contact injury down for the year. Uh, but this is a guy, look, you know, back-to-back, uh, 100 plus tackle seasons 2018 and 2019 a guy who's finishing his career with 36 tackles for loss 10 sacks three interceptions seven pass breakups best linebacker inside linebacker nobody's talking about and this is a guy he, he shows tremendous instincts a guy that's going to fly around to the football he drops into coverage making plays the change of direction will worry you a little bit maybe a little stiff in, in coverage just a little bit as well but I'll tell you, Nate Landman is the heart and soul of that Colorado Buffalo defense. And when he went down against Utah, you know, they were shutting down the run game. When he goes out, you know, he meant everything to that defense. Um, you know, Ty Jordan and company, Devin Brumfield, they were running all over the buffs without Nate Landman in the middle. Now, could Nate Landman come back to Colorado for one more year? Obviously, he could because of COVID, um, you know, allowing players to come back for one more year of eligibility. Um, you know, I think it could help him just in terms of, of that ankle injury and being able to, to have a full season and really showcase his talents. But um, you know, if he does come out, you know, he should be uh, should be drafted, should be a day three guy, and, and a guy who I think, again, the instincts and his ability to play all over the field, I think that's going to get him you know, at least uh, 
he'll at least be a special teams guy, but a guy who I think if you give him a shot, you're not going to get him off the field. Um, Utah's Devin Moyd, he's 6'3", uh, 232 pounds, a guy who a season ago racked up six and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss. This year playing mostly on the inside, playing in only four games, but a guy who, what I really liked about him was his ability to play inside out. And he really did a great job scraping over the top, uh, getting you know to that running back, a guy who flies around, uh, able to drop into coverage as well. Another one of those new age linebackers. He'll be a day three guy, but a guy who I think because of his athleticism could end up uh, making some plays there uh, at the next level. Now, when we look at the cornerback position, um, Talking about Darion Kendrick here for just a moment, 6'1", 190-pound senior there for Clemson. And, and what I really like about Darion Kendrick is the physicality with which he plays. I know he's going to be a guy you know, that, that some people are talking about being a first-round pick. I want to argue that he's kind of flying under the radar as a first-round pick just because, look, he's a converted wideout. You know, he doesn't see a ton of passes there for Clemson. Everyone's throwing to the opposite side. It doesn't matter who's in the game, whether it's Andrew Booth or Sheridan Jones. Um, you know, whoever it is, that's where the football is going. It's going away from Darion Kendrick. But when you talk about Clemson corners, when you look at AJ, AJ Terrell, before him it was Trayvon Mullen, now it's going to be uh, Darion Kendrick, you know what you're getting. You're getting guys who are going to be physical, guys that want to jam you coming off the line. And, and look, yes, he only has 10 pass breakups in his career, has three interceptions, took one to the house. Um, but look, He's a lot more physical. He's not like Mackenzie Alexander, you know, a guy who you know, didn't have a, an interception in his entire career there for Clemson. Um, he's only a junior, so he can come back for one more year. There are some corners that people are talking about, but I think he can still be in that consideration to be a, a first-round corner. Um, during the, the ACC championship against Notre Dame, he'll get, get his chance to go up against Ben Skoranek, against Javon McKinley, really start to try to make a name for himself there. And then if Clemson makes it into the college football playoff, he'll get his chance against John Mechie and, of course, uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, you know, he's gonna, or potentially uh, getting a matchup against Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson against Ohio State. Those are going to be some of the matches that you're definitely going to want to watch. Uh, so I think he's kind of a, a low-key first-round guy that I, I wanted to make mention of. One more guy, USC's. Elijah Griffin, six foot, one seventy-five, the junior Warren G's son. I think in past podcasts I said that he was Nate Dog's son, but he's actually Warren G's son, and uh, a guy who, who he wants to look to jam you a lot at the line of scrimmage. And I think what gets him into trouble is you know, he'll end up opening those hips, he'll end up squaring himself to the sideline at times. So his, his technique can be a little off at times. Uh, got bailed out. Uh, with that exact positioning against Washington State because the receiver dropped the football. Um, but at the same time, this is a guy, the, the lowest completion percentage against him in the Pac-12 conference, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, to me, Elijah Griffin, he's only a junior. He could, again, decide to come back for another year there for the Trojans. If he does come out, he'll be a day three guy, but a guy that I think um, his best days are still ahead of him and a guy who I think is one of those sneaky good corners. Um, at the safety position, you're looking at Divine Diablo there out of, out of Virginia Tech. I had a big game there um, in a losing effort there against Clemson. He's 6'3", 226 pounds. Um, but what I thought was really impressive was there was a throw deep to, to, uh, to Powell. And, to, you know, and what he was able to do, he was able to get back uh, on that deep ball, go up and make a play on the football. Then it was a third and goal play, and he was able to come up 
at the line, you know, at the line of scrimmage, um, and, and make a play there against the run. Another third goal play um, really read tra uh, Trevor Lawrence's eyes. He was over on the right hash, and those eyes took him all the way over to the opposite side of the field and undercut a, you know, a, a pass there into the end zone and, and ultimately in intercepted that pass. You saw you know, the, just the instincts, a great feel for the game. And he's 6'3", 226 pounds. He's a big dude. Again, you know, what's he going to be? Is he going to be a Dale Buchanan, the guy that's going to be a linebacker safety hybrid? You know, I, I think there's a lot that you can do with, uh, with Divine Diablo. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens there. And then I got to close out the safety position with Talanoa Hufunga. Why are people not talking about him as a top five safety in this year's draft? 6'1", 215 pounds, a junior look against Washington State, tipped the ball to himself uh, with an interception and then took the ball 37 yards, set up a, a, you know, a touchdown score there for the Trojans in the first quarter of play. Had four straight games with an interception there at the safety position, but that's not all that he does. He's going to line up at the line of scrimmage and uh, shoot into the backfield and sack the quarterback. You know, he can bend off the edge, ran, you know, runs through run, running back blocks, um, and then against the run, whether it's playing in the box or shooting gaps, getting downhill, he can wrap guys up for loss in the open field. Um, out on the outside, you throw a quick screen, you better find number 15 and put a body on him. But he looks like Troy Polamalu, especially with that, that hair that's flying underneath the helmet. Ufunga is a top five safety in this year's draft. He could decide to come back to SC for one more season and potentially be a definite first round pick. This is not a very strong safety class, so I'm saying top five safety, and that doesn't really mean a whole lot for this year's draft, but that is, he's active. You know, he plays with reckless abandon, and that's one of the things that you worry about a little bit. You know, he messed up both shoulders last year, hurt one shoulder, just kind of flying around to the football, not really wrapping up and just kind of throwing his shoulder into guys. Then he injures the other shoulder. Um, so you worry about that a little bit. Just, you know, you got to play a little bit more under control. You saw that with Jonathan Abram there for, for Oakland. Um, and yes, it was, it was for Oakland uh, in his rookie season. A guy that really wanted to come around and hit guys, flew around to the football, and uh, ended up cutting his rookie season short because uh, of, a, I believe it was a shoulder injury. Um, so Hufanga, you worry about that a little bit, but definitely a guy uh, to keep an eye out for if he decides to enter the draft. I'd be surprised if he's not a day two pick just because of the athleticism, the instincts, uh, and look, that reckless abandon, it's a lot of fun to watch because he is literally all over the field there for the Trojans. So again, those are the guys there defensively that I, that I wanted to talk about. And uh, I think we've, we've done a pretty decent job uh, getting through as much as we can. Look, I think we have to talk about that quarterback position real quick. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Because you look at the top four, the top four at that quarterback position are really set, right? You've got Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the first, number one overall pick, likely going to the, to the New York Jets. Second overall pick, probably going to be Justin Fields. Some people are saying, well, you know, look, he had, had a really bad game there against Indiana with all the picks. Um, but prior to that, and really, since then, you watch the, the accuracy. A guy who can push the ball down the field. He's playing with more confidence. Looks a lot stronger in the pocket. The arm strength looks a lot stronger. He's more decisive with his throws as well. 
This is a guy who's just continuing to develop. He'll be the number two quarterback taken. Should go to Jacksonville there at number two overall. Then you have Zach Wilson of BYU, the, the gunslinger there for, B, for, for the Cougars, a guy who is tremendously accurate, especially with his deep ball, a guy that just is a playmaker. And then, you know, no game is out of reach when you have Zach Wilson at quarterback. And then you have Trey Lance, the athletic, uh, you know, I guess Richard sophomore there for uh, North Dakota State already decided he's entering the draft. Uh, but with the Bison, as a Richard freshman, had no interceptions. Had 27 touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for over 1,100 yards, struggled in his one game in 2020, but you know, I wouldn't really worry about that. Didn't have much of a, uh, of a training camp or anything like that. Um, that summer really cut short due to COVID, fall training camp as well, more the same. And uh, that one game, you saw the flashes of brilliance there towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the game, leading the, the Bison to a victory there over Central Arkansas. Um, but what you love is the deep ball accuracy, and both of those quarterbacks they have the arm strength. That's one of the things that when you watch a guy like Baker Mayfield, a guy who may not be the most mobile quarterback in the world, but a guy when he gets outside the pocket. Um, you, know, you fear that arm strength, that velocity. He's able to push the ball down the field with velocity. And I look at Kyle Trask, and I don't see that velocity on you know, a throw-in and throw-out base. You'll see a few throws, and you'll watch it and go, huh, all right, you know, maybe he can make the throws at the NFL level. Uh, and then you'll see a, a, quite a few other throws where they, they just don't have that zip. And, and that's something to where, you know, if you look at an NFL linebacker or safety corner, they're going to make plays on those footballs. You know, they got to be there now. they got to be there in a hurry. And that's what you really don't see out of Kyle Trask. Plus, he's not the most mobile guy. I think, you know, there is something to manipulating the pocket, right, like Aaron Rodgers does, who's not necessarily the you know, a Lamar Jackson type um, or, or a Kyler Murray or, or a Josh Allen uh, with the mobile, you know, the mobility. But uh, you, know, you still have to be able to manipulate the pocket. I think that's what Kyle Trask does have. And that's the thing that he's going to have to answer is, is look, you have a, you know, an average to slightly above average arm, um, but can you really you know, manipulate that pocket? That's going to be the biggest question mark there. And then Mac Jones is going to be the toughest study, I think, of all the quarterbacks. And the reason being is all the elite players that he has around him. You know, there are a ton of elite players. And really, you can say the same thing for Trevor Lawrence, although that offensive line this year you know, isn't on par with pass offensive lines for Clemson. Alabama, you got three guys in Alex Leatherwood, uh, Deontay Brown, and, uh, and Landon Dickerson, who all have shots of being drafted in the first two days of the draft. Uh, and you, know, you have elite receivers with Devontae Smith being a, a first-rounder, Najee Harris, the running back, potential first-rounder as well. And uh, when you watch him throw, I think the anticipation is absolutely there. And, and that's the thing that is so impressive. But what I like about Mac Jones, too, is, you know, the pocket presence. His ability to manipulate that pocket, move around. Um, he's not, he's another guy who's just not a great athlete. And that's the thing that's going to be difficult when you're talking about this age, and this era of, of, of uh, NFL football. That quarterback has to be able to make plays with their legs, whether it's extending plays, getting outside the pocket. We haven't seen Mac, Mac Jones do that a ton. We've seen him within the pocket, stepping up, sliding, making those subtle movements. Kyle Trask you know, on the run isn't always that accurate. When you put pressure on both of these quarterbacks, you know that, that completion percentage drops quite a bit. Um, so that's why I think you've got a clear separation between the top four quarterbacks and then these next two, 
And you know, I think over the course of these next few games, um, you know, in the SEC championship for, for uh, Mac Jones, and then in uh, the bowl games there for both Florida and Alabama, you really have to watch these two guys, study them a little bit, and really watch you know that, that mobility and then the arm strength and then the anticipation. Because if you're throwing the guys open, that ball isn't hanging up. Um, you know, that's really what's going to set you apart. And then, obviously, the arm strength is going to, to tack things on there. But uh, if you're able to get to beat coverage with a, you know an average to above average arm, you know that that's going to be the, the the question mark is, is are you going to be able to do that on a consistent basis at the NFL level? Now, if we're talking about the Heisman Trophy, we've already mentioned two of them. But uh, can we talk about Devontae Smith real quick? Um, you know, this is a receiver. Look, he's he's a guy. Um, eight catches, 234 yards, three touchdowns against LSU, and then against Arkansas, three catches for over 200 yards again. Uh, both of those games were routes. Uh, they beat the Tigers. Um, what? It was 55-17, uh, and then uh, the Razorbacks. Man, they they took the Hogs out to slaughter, 52 to three. And the thing with Devontae Smith that I just don't understand, you know, people are talking about him, well, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit slight. You know, he's somebody who I don't think is going to be very explosive at the next level. I've heard a lot of really weird comparisons. But the thing that I love about Devontae Smith is when you watch him, he's not the explosive receiver. When you think of Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle, you talk about explosive receivers. When you look at Jerry Judy, you think about route runners. What does Devontae Smith do? Well, he does a little bit of everything. He has the speed. He's showing that he can run away from guys this year. He has tremendous hands, so he's very reliable. The route running ability, he's very sudden, very smart as well. He's going to change up his release off the line, and that's one of the things that you, you when you're covering him, he has a lot of plays where he's wide open down the field. That's something that I think really you know, stands out for me. The only thing that you kind of worry about a little bit is, is Steve Sarkeesian offenses. Um, you know, they really showcase receivers. You, know, you think about Marquise Lee there at USC. Didn't really amount to anything there at the next level. You worry a little bit about that, you know, just in Sarkeesian. And I know that you have to evaluate the player, not the helmet or not the coach, but you still have to worry about that a little bit. That's the same thing with Mac Jones. Finding a quarterback in a Steve Sarkeesian offense that has really been successful at the next level. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the thing with Mac Jones. You know, Sarkeesian can run that offense to perfection at the collegiate level, but is it going to translate for that guy at the next level? That's going to be the other concern. But when you look at Devontae Smith, 83 catches in 10 games, 1,327 yards at 16 yards per reception with 15 touchdowns. Um, tremendous season. And uh, oh yeah, by the way, also has uh, seven pump returns. Uh, averaging 25.6 yards per return and took that one to the house. To me, I look at him, he's the reason why Alabama, you know, Mac Jones is where he is. You know, you can point to, you really can't point to anybody else there. John Mechie kind of up and down. Jalen Waddle gets hurt. Um, you know, you have the emerging Jaleel Billingsley. But Devontae Smith, He's meant more to that offense than really anybody else, uh, including Najee Harris, including Mac Jones. That's why Devontae Smith, number six to me, is the Heisman Trophy winner in 2020. It's been a weird year. You, know, you don't see too many receivers drafted, 
I mean, it kind of makes, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, too many receivers selected as the Heisman Trophy winner. But I think this is going to be the year that we see it done again. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how it plays out. But uh, that's going to be my pick. If I had a vote, that's who I'm voting for. So we have some games that are coming up for uh, conference championships. And we're going to take a look at those conference championships real quick before we wrap up the podcast. And again, already talked about the first three, but we got seven more. Actually, we have six. And the reason why we have six, Louisiana, Coastal Carolina. We're not going to get to see that matchup. Would have loved to have gotten to see that. They're going to be co-champs um, of the Sun Belt. COVID really hit the two programs hard. And uh, so that's ultimately why we're not going to be seeing them out on the field um, tomorrow. So I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going to get to see that game. But it uh, really would have been a lot of fun to see that. Um, but if we take a look at that schedule, um, early games, we're going to get to see Ohio State take on Northwestern, number four ranked Buckeyes against the Northwestern Wildcats in Lucas Oil, uh, Oil Stadium. For Northwestern, obviously you have the linebackers. You have Patty Fisher and you have uh, Blake, uh, Blake Gallagher. Fisher is your volume tackler, your, your smart, intelligent linebacker you worry a little bit about some of the stiffness in his hips is he an athletic guy can he move sideline to sideline because he's definitely a guy that can play forward can play downhill but can he move um, you know when he drops you know is he a guy that's really going to be able to make play sideline to sideline you watch him in coverage he's intelligent he knows where the football is going to be and he can make some plays on the football i think he's going to work the middle of the field there against Justin Fields and watch out for number two Greg Newsom the second this is a corner who's very physical what he wants to do is get his hands on you reroute you at the line of scrimmage and then he's going to play it into the sideline he's going to take that inside leverage he's going to play it into that sideline pin you there and you know look and lean uh coming down the sideline whenever he can he's going to try to get over the top of that that route as well Greg Newsom's the guy he can end up entering the draft but I think you know behoove him to come back for one more year and be one of the better corners in the league um, I'm sorry in yeah well, I guess in, in the Big 12 uh, Big 10 conference um, Ohio State obviously you've got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson there running back you have Justin Fields um, you know Trey Sermon is the guy that you really want to keep an eye out for at the running back position the transfer from OU a guy who you know is really starting to come into his own a little bit over 100 yards on the ground a couple weeks ago um you know, he's sharing the backfield with Master Teague. He's the guy that I think needs to, to really step up and assert himself there in the running game. I mentioned uh, Pete Werner and uh, Baron Browning, along with uh, Haskell Garrett there at the defensive tackle position. He and Tommy Togiai. Um, those are guys that are going to have to step up and play big against Northwestern because, look, Northwestern doesn't beat themselves. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Peyton Ramsey also uh, has Ohio State's number, really. Um, you know, he plays well against them, especially when he was uh, at Indiana. So, you know, I'm not saying that uh, you know, Pat, uh, Pat Fitzgerald's group, uh, the fighting Reese Davises, that they, as they say on East ESPN, um, can get the job done. But uh, I think it'll be closer than people expect. Um, OU, I mentioned against Iowa State. And look, you know, Brock Purdy's going to have to watch out for, for two guys. And that's Ronnie Perkins and Isaiah Thomas coming at him relentlessly. The linebackers are playing better. Um, he can exploit the corners a little bit. I think that's one of the things um, that they have to watch out for there. Um, you know, Obviously, you're going to get a, a huge dose of Reese Hall, who's going to be the number one 
potentially number one running back in next year's draft. Um, a guy who's been a Heisman candidate, really a big reason why the Cyclones are in the position that they are at number six. Um, number 10 Sooners, though, um, I, I can see them offensively. They don't have the receiver that is going to take the, take the top off the defense. You know, Austin Stogner, their, their wonderful tight end, only a sophomore. He's been the best target there for Spencer Rattler. Not sure if he's going to be playing in that game. You're going to see a lot of Ramondre Stevenson. So I think you're going to see Stevenson against Mike Rose, the linebacker, 6'4", 245 pounds. Um, he's going to be a linebacker that we're going to be talking about quite a bit for next year's draft. Reminds me a lot of uh, A.J. Klein, the former Iowa State Cyclone there now with the Bills, and uh, it, it's going to be a fun game. I think OU ends up taking it. I think ultimately at the end of the day, Spencer Rattler, Ramondre Stevenson get things going, and I think Alex Grinch figures out a way to stop Brock Purdy and uh, Big 12. They just can't get rid of uh, you know, Lincoln Riley at the top. Obviously, you've got Clemson against Notre Dame, the number two ranked Irish, already taking down Clemson, the number three ranked Tigers uh, earlier in the year in Notre Dame Stadium. Now we've got the game going to a neutral site, Bank of America Stadium, Charlotte, North Carolina. Virtual home game there for Clemson. You look at, though, you know, I don't know that we'll even have fans in the stand for the game, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, DJ Uyagalele was the was the quarterback uh, when Notre Dame beat them. So obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to be there. He couldn't play any better than what you know, Julio Galele uh, did. I mean, he threw for over 430 yards. He did struggle there, especially in the overtimes. Uh, but I think Trevor Lawrence, he comes out. He's going to try to prove himself. You know, that Notre Dame defense. You know, I, I want to see what Jackson Carmen is going to be doing there at that left tackle position. He's going to go up against Ade uh, Ogundeje, the guy who has tremendous lateral quickness against the run, can set, set a hard edge with that athleticism, underrated athleticism there um, for the defensive end position. Keep an eye out for 91 there. And then also Dalen Hayes, number nine, a senior who I think is going to be a mid-day three pick. I think Ogundeje can end up being a, a, a third rounder myself. Um, those are two guys that are going to wreak havoc. Um, I, I think you're going to see Jeremiah Usukorwala line up all over the field at that, uh, that, that rover position for them. And, and he's somebody who I think is going to have to play big. He's 6'2", 215 pounds, can get outside, he can cover receivers, wide, you know, running backs, tight ends, whoever you need him to cover. He can rush the quarterback, he can set, it, set the edge against the run. He's going to be that dynamic playmaker that they're going to need. And then you look at Clemson, I mentioned that Clemson is going to have to stop Ben Skaronic and uh, Javon McKinley there on the outside. You're going to see a lot of, uh, of Darion Kendrick. Look, that defense is young. That's the thing that you see. You know, Brian Brissy and Miles Murphy, the defensive linemen who are studs as fre they're only freshmen. And this is a defense that they play much better when you have their leader in the middle in James Skalski there. You know, he, he missed last game, and I think against Notre Dame, you have to have him in the middle of that defense. Otherwise, I think Notre Dame ends up taking this game. Um, it's one of those things to where Travis Etienne has struggled really running the football lately, and uh, I think that offensive line, you know, outside of Jackson Carmen, they're young, and I think that's where Notre Dame might have the edge. Um, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. I think Ian Book's a guy that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Ian Book's going to get drafted. Look, he'll be a day three guy, probably be a late day three guy, but I think he'll get drafted. 
And the, really the big thing, he doesn't have tremendous size, doesn't have tremendous arm strength. But what you love about what he does is the improvisation. You know, he, when plays break down, he gets outside the pocket or buys time and does a tremendous job still keeping those eyes down the football field and making plays. And that's really the big thing. When, those, when the offense breaks down, what is Clemson going to do? What are those young guys going to do there in the linebacking core and the secondary to be able to you know, take away those options there for Ian Book? Because if he even has a window, he's going to exploit it. And that's where I think Ben Skoranek is going to be the key to a potential victory there for Notre Dame. I think at the end of the day with this, a lot everyone's picking Clemson. I'm going the other way. You know, I'm a, I'm a USC grad, so it pains me to say that I think Notre Dame's going to win it, but I think Notre Dame can take this game. Um, Alabama taking on Florida. You know, we have that game in uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. SEC Championship, number one ranked tied, uh, taking on the Florida Gators, number seven overall. Look, you know, Florida had that game against LSU. They struggled. They didn't really fall much at all. They moved from number six to number seven in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Kyle Trask has to have a huge day. He has to outplay Mac Jones if he wants the Heisman. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, the other thing, too, with Kyle Trask, um, hopefully he'll have Kyle Pitts back as, a, as his tight end. I think Trevor Grimes and, uh, and Kadarius Tony, two guys who I think uh, I think Tony can end up being in that, that third-round consideration. Reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. And then uh, Trevon Grimes, I think he'll probably be a fourth, fifth-round pick at the receiver position. Um, those are going to be guys that are going to have to step up huge for Florida, but that defense, I think, is going to get torched by Bama. Um, you know, Kyle Trask essentially going to have to try to outscore Mac Jones and company. And, and Trask, if he wants to win, he's going to have to show off, you know, not only you know some arm strength that uh, people are doubting that he has, uh, but I think he's also going to have to show some, you know, some anticipation. He's going to have to make sure that that ball placement is perfect all game long. But I think in the end, Alabama's just, just going to be way too much. I think they, you know, it starts off as a, as a close game, and uh, towards the, you know, the middle of, uh, of the first half, Alabama starts to pull away. And then maybe the best game out of all of these is going to be uh, in the, the American Athletic Conference. Uh, they're at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, the number nine ranked Cincinnati Bearcats taking on the 23 ranked uh, Tulsa Hurricanes. There are a lot of NFL players on the field here. You know, Desmond Ritter is a quarterback who can get drafted in next year's draft. You know, Alec Pierce is a receiver on the outside as well. Uh, those are two guys that you absolutely have to be on the lookout for. Uh, defensively there for Cincinnati, uh, Kobe Bryant um, is a, a corner named after the, the late great basketball player. Uh, only spells his name C-O-B-Y. Um, he's a physical corner on the outside, has decent length at six feet, um, a little bit slight, a guy that can potentially get pushed around by some of the bigger uh, Tulsa receivers like uh, Sam Crawford and uh, Juan Carlos Santana. Uh, but when you look at, at Cincinnati, their secondary, not only him, you have Ahmad Gardner, um, you have uh, Derek Forrest, you have James Wiggins. That's secondary. That's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch. And then Majai Sanders, number 21, the defensive end coming off the edge. He's going to wreak some havoc, really put a lot of pressure on Zach Smith. And look, Tulsa, much like USC, they start off really slow. They get behind and they have to come back. Uh, thunderous victories. And really, you kind of have to just write off Tulsa's first quarter. You know Zach, Brown's going to, or Zach Smith is going to come out and struggle. 
And then by the second half, he's going to be a completely different quarterback. And that, that's the thing that, uh, you know, you kind of, they've been living by that. But you can also die by that, as we saw with USC against Oregon uh, and the Pac-12 championship. I, I think you have to have TK, um, either Derek Prince or TK Wilkerson, they have to be healthy in that backfield, uh, getting things going on the ground open up that passing attack. Keelan Stokes, he's a, a guy who I think could be a late day three pick. The problem that I have with Keelan Stokes is yes, he can be very explosive in the passing attack, but a lot of drop balls. And that's really the thing that worries me more than anything else are those drop passes. You really have to make sure that you're playing a great game because look, Luke Fickle, he's coaching Cincinnati to, to perfection here. That, that's, that program is really firing on all cylinders. So Tulsa's going to have to come with their A game. Defensively, though, this is where I think they can end up uh, giving Cincinnati's offense some trouble. Um, you have some big corners. You have Allie Green the fourth. You have a Caleb Evans on the outside. Those guys will be in NFL camps. Um, you have Tenniel Martin, the, the safety, another guy who has decent coverability um, at, at the safety position. And uh, uh, Christian Williams, the, the nickel, and, and Kendarin Ray, the other safety. Linebacker playing next to Zayden Collins now is, is Justin Wright. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Uh, another instinctive player, a guy that likes to play downhill, flies around to the football. And then obviously I mentioned uh, you know Jackson Player, the guy that uh, is going to be a menace in the backfield. He's going to pressure uh, Desmond Ritter quite a bit. And so I think when he moves Desmond Ritter off his mark, keep an eye out after that for 23, uh, Zayden Collins. You know, there'll be times where he's going to rush the quarterback and, and get to Desmond Ritter. But I think when you watch him drop into coverage, you'll be impressed with his ability to cover a lot of ground, read the quarterback's eyes, react to the football, and be able to make a play on the ball. And, and I think you'll also see him against the run when he's trying to get that running game going um, you know, with, with Dokes, running back Jared Dokes. He, he's a big physical back. He's six foot, 230 pounds. I think he'll be another day three running back late day three, potentially an undrafted free agent, but I think he has a shot because he is so physical, and that's that, that's going to be the thing. You're going to see a lot of dokes against uh, against Zayvon Collins, and I think if dokes can end up having a decent game there against Zayvon Collins, that's only going to improve his draft stock, um, but you know, dokes, what's fun about him, look, six foot, 230 pounds, uh, 36 receptions in his career, uh, you know, not a whole lot of wear and tear on those legs just 324 carries in his career but a guy that runs behind his pads a guy that's going to look to run you over uh, so he's going to be something that you definitely keep an eye out for as well so those are the matchups in the conference championships i will be tuning into each and every game and next week yes we won't be taking another week off for the rest of the season Next week, we'll be talking about our conference championships. We'll also get to take a look at some of the bowl games. I know we have some bowl matchups that are already uh, coming into full swing right now. And uh, if I take a look at the matchups, let's see what we've got cooking right now. Let's see if we can get that to pull up. Uh, oh, wow. So on Monday, December 21st, we've got App State taking on North Texas. North Texas, Jalen Darden, uh, and uh, App State. Already mentioned Demetrius Taylor, somebody to really keep an eye out for there. Uh, let's see, Tulane uh, taking on Nevada. Nevada, you're going to see the guys that we just talked about, the aforementioned Carson Strong and, and Cole Turner at tight end, Romeo Dubs there at receiver. Um, that's going to be a fun game. UCF, 
UCF taking on number 17 ranked BYU Cougars. See if Richie Grant can have a big game there against Zach Wilson. I think BYU, this is going to be a fun game in the Idaho Potato Bowl there on the 22nd. Uh, but I think BYU ends up taking that game. Uh, let's see, Wednesday the 23rd, you've got Louisiana Tech taking on Georgia Southern. Uh, and Memphis uh, taking on Florida Atlantic. Those will be some, some fun games. And then Christmas Eve, Hawaii taking on Houston. Clayton Toon um, is a fun junior quarterback to keep an eye out for. Peyton Turner, the defensive end, a guy who comes off the bench but is a, is a pass rusher and a guy that could potentially um, be talked about there on draft day. Mainly because, you know, he, I mean, he's a guy that's going to the senior bowl and a guy that can get after the quarterback and make plays um, behind the line of scrimmage. So those will be the games that we'll end up having to, to talk about um, potentially next week as well. Um, you know, we're going to go ahead and try to get this, get uh, next week's podcast recorded uh, by Thursday. So if we do that, Thursday is Christmas Eve. So if we do that, we might have another, let's see, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six bowl games that we might be able to cover as well in time for a, a Christmas Eve, Christmas Day podcast. Um, so I'm going to make sure that we cover all of this, get everything going, get through the end of the season, uh, forecast as many bowl games as we can, take a look at all those draft-eligible prospects. So when you tune in to watch the bowl games, you'll know who to watch out for. I hope you've enjoyed the content all season long here at Ready for the Draft uh, podcast. I've enjoyed bringing it to you, and we're just going to continue to do this all the way through the pre-draft process. We're going to take a look at all of the, um, you know, the all the, the all-American games, um, the the postseason awards. We're going to take a look at all of that. We're going to get into the combine. We're going to take a look at some of the individual um, workouts when we can. We're going to take a look at. Uh, NFL teams, what their needs are, what they're doing in free agency, what that does with their uh, with their draft needs and where directions they're going to go. We're going to talk about my mock drafts. My first one I'm going to try to put together uh, towards the end of January, possibly into the early February. Just kind of depends on when that, uh, that final declaration is going to be. I think it's going to be around January 18th, um, whenever they finally declare everyone um, for the draft. And they ultimately have that cutoff for the underclassmen. Then we'll know exactly who's in the draft. We'll really be able to finalize that first mock draft. So that's kind of my plan as we lead up to the draft. Uh, like I said, it's going to be in April 2021. Feels like a long way away, but remember, we're already in December. And once you get rolling into 2021, those four months are going to go fast. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned for for this ride. We're going to go ahead and do it again. Be back here. Um, each and every week, and uh, we'll bring it back to you again, talk some football. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Happy holidays. Be safe. And I am out of here.